Turn with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. I mentioned in the early service that I don't get to see what their faces look like when they're singing up here, so you all have to let me know so I, I can get on to them if I need to. No, I'm just joking. Um, Jeremiah chapter 18. Um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll pray and we'll ask the Lord's blessing on this hour. So Jeremiah 18, verse 1 through 6, starting verse 1. The word, of God, word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray that you will allow this time for us to just walk through your word today and uh, have our hearts open and um, ready to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that it will be a help uh, and not a hindrance. I pray that you'll hide me behind the cross and I pray that your word will shine forward, go forth and return without void, Lord, as you've promised and that our hearts will be changed because of it. And I pray, Lord, that we can mold and shape our lives because of it, and that we can be drawn closer to your Son, Jesus Christ, and, uh, and be like Him. And we thank you for what you will do in our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I know that as you, we walk through Jeremiah, this is basically a prophet talking to Israel, right? This is not necessarily him talking to the church, all right? And we know that we are in the day and age where Israel's kind of put on pause for a minute, and God is dealing directly with the Gentile nation, uh, the ones that have, ex- been, have accepted Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have been grafted into that branch. We've been grafted into that vine, the true vine, which is Christ. And I would say that because of that, we can have a parallelism, or we have something that directly correlates with us. Uh, even though he's talking about Israel here and saying, this is what I'm going to do, Israel. I'm setting you up. You are my nation. You are my chosen people. People that look at you are going to see me. Right? They're going to see me work and see my great hand. If you're following after me, they will see you elevated. They will see you lifted up. If you don't follow me, then I will be, have you cast down. You will be destroyed. And then people will know that if you follow me, you do good. If you don't follow me, you're doing bad. So they get to see how I work. And that's part of what's going on in this passage. But I think that we can also take that to heart as individuals that have been grafted into that, into that inheritance. As this is also how the Lord can deal with us. Now, I know that this is a, so I believe that there's a direct correlation there. So um, I wanted to get that kind of out of the way. Also, throughout this passage, you will see a direct parallelism here between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Now, that's not the message that I'm going to speak on this morning, but it's in in here, it's in this passage, so I wanted to address it so you could have it in the back of your mind, that wherever you see the sovereignty of God, when you read it in the Bible, you will also see with it the free will of man. That they work together. Even though we may not understand how it all works together, we may not understand how God can first have sovereignty and full control, but yet give us back a portion of that control? Is that, is that true? How does that work? We may not know, and we may not ever know. That's fine. But I've heard a pastor explain it kind of like this. Now, if you go to the Redwood Forest in California, 
you will see massive trees. And when you stand on the floor of those massive trees, you cannot actually see the top of those trees. So as you look up, you can see two trees next to each other, massive trees growing up perfectly parallel ne next to each other and seemingly never touch. Because when you look up, you cannot see anything ever touch. But we know that when you get above our sight, you can see those branches actually intermingle and intertwine. And that's how, kind of how the sovereignty of God works. We may not fully understand it. We may not be able to understand how it works, but we do know it works. And God put it that way. We have the opportunity in God's hand to do with, to do with our lives as he would like us to do, or we can grieve the Holy Spirit, as he tells us, and put a stop to what he, he wants to do in our lives. And that's what he addresses here. And I believe this is the key to how we should operate our daily lives. Every morning you wake up, every night before you go to bed, when you meditate on the Word of God, this should be a goal for each and every single Christian in here. And if you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I would pray that today is the day. But also, God is working in your heart, and He is also trying to mold and shape you. But it may not be a vessel unto honor, as He talks about. It could be a vessel unto dishonor, unless... You turn from your sin and accept Christ as your personal Savior. And it's at that point where he can actually work in your heart and life to make you a vessel unto honor. So as we walk down through this, I want to talk a little bit about the different types of, uh, of clay. So um, that, And that's really what I've entitled the message is the potter's vessel, because that's really what we are and what, that's what this passage is about. It's just something that God can use, right? So... By way of introduction, let's talk a little bit about clay. The clay here that I'm talking about is the clay that you would put on the potter's wheel. All right, so it's a small portion of clay, and it's specifically designed for smaller vessels. You can get large pieces of clay that you can mold and sculpt and, and shape and, into, into large, portion, large pieces of art. But the clay that God is talking about here is a small, is a small piece of clay that puts, fits on the potter's wheel that is usually, usually used to make... Uh, Vessels to put oil or water or things like that in, or cups or bowls, stuff like that, right? Empty vessels that can be used and used multiple times. That's normally what it's talking about. So today, when you go and buy clay, if you're going to put it on the potter's wheel, you're going to buy what's called clay discs. All right, and those discs, when you look at them, all have relatively the same shape. All right, it's kind of pressed, it's sized out, it's pre-measured, and it's put onto a stamp, it's stamped out, and then it's sent off, and then when you get it, you get this image of clay. Now, it could be different colors. It could be different types of clay. It could be different um, uh, ranges of, of, of heat that, that, is, uh, that is for. It could be like porcelain or different types of, uh, of, of, different types of uh, earth. However, it all has the same image when it's, when it's stamped out. You and I are all created in the image of God. We have that image. We have different sizes, colors, shapes, and types, but we all have the same image. God has put in us characteristics that are unique to us. And just like clay and earth, they have different types of clay and earth that are sent out, and they are molded and shaped for different purposes. And that's the whole reason behind our characteristics. That's the whole reason behind our uniqueness, is that when God molds and shapes us, we will have a different purpose than somebody else sitting next to us. But we all have the image of God. But sadly, because of the fall, we also have our flaws. But I want to encourage us today. 
on my first point, a ruined vessel. God never talks about in His Word of God, in His Word about already working with a perfect piece of clay. There isn't one person in here that's already made it. There isn't one person in here that says, okay, now I'm useful for God because I'm perfect. I want to encourage us today that God uses you in your imperfection. And during that time, He works in your heart and mind to bring you closer to Jesus Christ, to bring you closer to the image of His Son. The ruined vessel. God never discusses working with an already perfect vessel. The Lord uses us in despite our flaws. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves are servants for, his, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded his, the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What does that mean? That we are vessels that are used to shine the light of God. We don't have the light of God. We're not perfect. We're only being made. We're only being formed. And even during that, that forming, even during us being made, God still uses us to shine the light of God. To shine the light of Jesus Christ. So if you're waiting and saying, you know what, I need to get a better education in order to serve God, or I need to work this thing out in my life first before I serve the Lord and in, his, in, in a ministry. Or, you know what, I'm not that, someone else is better at that than I am. I don't want to, to just jump in that, even though I believe that the Lord is talking to me to do so. If you're waiting to be perfect in order to serve the Lord, you don't understand how God works with clay. He uses us in our imperfections, and that's how He roughs uh, or smooths out those rough edges in us. We have a ministry, and we've been given talents. And if we don't use those talents, the Lord says he can take those talents away. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. This is Paul writing this. And if Paul had any room to boast in the accomplishments that he made, he, it was him. I was a Pharisee. I grew up a Jew. I know the law. I was trained in the Word of God. I can quote the Pentateuch. But he says, not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Even Paul understood that with his flaws, which we know he had many, that God was still using him to minister to people. If you think, oh, well, I don't, I don't have what that person has, or I don't have that kind of talent, or, you know what, I wasn't raised in church, so I don't know how things work. You can learn, and God can use you anyway. Do you think, I haven't made any mistakes back there in that office? <laughs> the closet office is what we've coined it. You think I haven't made any mistakes standing behind the pulpit? You think I haven't made mistakes in your, your teen room? I've made mistakes, just like many of us, and we still move forward and we learn. God still uses us, and that's how he shapes us. It's by doing the word of God that we understand where we, where we fall short and what we need to improve. 
So if you're waiting for an invitation, that was it. <laughs> God constantly removes imperfection. You know, in the process of making uh, his vessels, the potter gets to feel out the, the, uh, the clay as he shapes it. So if you've never seen a potter's wheel being worked, how many of you have actually seen it? Okay, good. All right, a lot of you. So when they put that piece of clay in the middle and they add a little bit of water in order to make it moldable and shapeable, they'll kind of form it into somewhat of an upside-down bowlish-looking thing, kind of a flat top uh, and a little bit angled on the sides in order to keep it stable. And then what they do is they take their fist and they put it right down in the center of that wheel. And they press it out from there outward. And what that does is that centers that piece of clay so that it can be molded uh, uniformly, basically, and, and uh, that it can uh, hold a circular shape the way it's supposed to. So once that happens, it comes out and pushes up around the fist of the potter. And then once they gets it to a certain height, that potter can reach inside that bowl or that vessel or whatever kind and start shaping the edges and kind of pulls from the bottom to the top and it determines the thickness and the width of, it, of, the, of the clay itself and then also shapes it in the form that the potter wants to make it. During that time, that potter gets to feel all the clay. And when he feels the clay, he can notice that there's portions of that clay that are hard. And then he'll stop the wheel. And he'll take a tool, kind of like a loop or an edger or a cutter of some kind, and he'll take out that piece that's hard. And he'll discard that piece and then what will have to happen is that vessel has to be then broken back down and then reformed again. In Romans 12, 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God constantly removes imperfections and then continually adds to us that which needs to be added. Like, oh, there, there needs to be something here. Like, this needs to be cut out. Or this needs to be uh, edged properly a little bit more. Or this needs to be shaped in this direction. God continually works on that. Now, the hands of the potter are perfect. The hands of our, our hands, when we work in pottery, we make mistakes. And we have, to, we have to break something down because we've messed up. But when God breaks something down, it's because we allowed him the opportunity to remove something from our life or to add something to it. And that's where I, I bring something, uh, uh, add a little bit of, uh, um, well, let's go, let's go ahead and go to, to the second point. The first point is the ru a ruined vessel, but let's talk a little bit about the second point, which is a remade vessel. By the way, I want to add that the clay is not discarded. There are pieces of it that are. Right? The, the pieces that aren't supposed to be there. There can be stuff added to the vessel as well, maybe coloring, uh, or, or there could be, oh, you know what? This isn't quite the right texture. Let me grab something that I want to add to this vessel in order to give it the right texture. But as we know, the clay is never discarded. Don't, don't use or allow the mistakes that you make as a reason to quit. Philippians 1, verse 6 reads, Being confident in, of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I submit to you at this time 
that the reason that we make vessels today, the reason that there are potters today, is to make pots that we can harden, that we can color, that we can shape, that we can use now as a finished work. I would submit to you that in the hands of the potter, our lives are no such thing. On this earth, we will always or are supposed to always be moldable. It is this life where God is still working in us so that when the time comes when we're removed, he can look at us in finished work and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And it's at that time he has a vessel unto honor because you are allowed to be molded and shaped in this time, in this day, in this age. So don't allow the mistakes that you make now as a reason to give up because God has not given up on you. The potters today can take a piece of clay and say, you know what, I've tried to work with this thing and it's done and get rid of it. But that's not how our potter works. He, breaks in, he takes and removes the things he needs to, breaks it down and rebuilds us a new vessel. Look with me in verse 4 again. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Remember, that's where he is. It's not that the the pottery was removed from the potter's hand. It's always there. God bought us uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are his. So he is not discarding us, but he says, so he made it again another vessel. It's a new one. So as God removes things from our life and and then takes us back down and shapes us again, he's building us better and he's building us newer. So don't allow the mistakes of, oh man, you know what, I've been trying to do the right thing, reading my Bible as I'm supposed to, praying as I'm supposed to, living by faith as I'm supposed to, and I just felt flat on my face this week. And you know what, if I get back up, I know I'm going to do it again. You ever, you ever looked at the cycle that way and said, you know, I've, what's the point if I'm just going to continue to fall, if I'm going to continue to mess up? I've thought of that cycle. But if you are allowing the Lord to work by faith, he's removing those things that he's supposed to, and he's adding to you what he's, what he's supposed to, he builds you a new vessel each time you rise back up. For the just man falls seven times and riseth again. But each time you rise, you're different, and you're closer to the Lord, and you're closer to his image that he's trying to mold and shape you in. So the clay is made differently. So underneath a remade vessel, the clay is not discarded, and then the clay is made differently. God started the work of making us new and isn't complete until the end. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And each time we are rebuilt, new things are added to our life. And each time we're broken down, God makes us anew. Psalm 51.10, we know this as a psalm of when David comes back to the Lord and repents to the Lord, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's asking to be made anew again, to get back in that fellowship. He went a long time without following God in his sin and thought he hid it from everybody until the Lord pointed it out through his prophet Nathan and said, Thou art the man. And it was at that point David said, I need to get a hold of God again. And he prayed this prayer. He said, and created this psalm, and said, create in me a clean heart. That, what he's asking? He's asking the potter to remove something out of his life. 
and to also add something and renew a right spirit within me. And I know it's the very simple things of a Christian's life to fall and get back up, to fall and get back up, to fall and get back up. But we fail so often at the smallest or simplest of things that we fail to get back up because it's just too hard. The wonderful thing about that is is that we're not the ones doing the work. It feels like it. (laughs) It feels like it. But really, our work is just yielding and saying, Lord, I know I've messed up. Restore me again and create in me a clean heart. Restore that vessel. We are never be completed here. As I said, God's work is never done in us until this life is over. He'll continue as long as we draw breath in this form. But how are we still useful here if that's the case? See, we think of the useful as a complete work. Christ says that in the foolishness of preaching, I will give my word and people will be saved. He said by the foolishness of man's work. We are filthy, well, our righteousness are as filthy rags, but God still uses us because we are, as long as we're moldable, we, other people get to see the Lord shaping our life. When you go to work and you talk about the things that you're going through, and you say, you know, I've got this going on in my life, or this is happening, and or this was all of a sudden, and they look at you and say, wow, man, I don't know how you're holding it together. And they say, well, you know, it's, it's not that I'm holding myself together. It's that the potter has got me, and he's molding and shaping me. I don't know what he's trying to teach me. really don't. But he's molding and shaping me. They see that molding and shaping. They see the form of Christ. They see Christ's work. And then all of a sudden, they're like, well, who is this God you serve? It's, it's, very, it's very simple if we humble ourselves and take ourselves out of the picture. It really is. When you, we walk into work or we go to our grocery stores or we do our daily uh, events and we allow God in humility to work in our lives, it does make it relatively simple. The problem is, is like we talked about this morning, didn't we? When man elevates themselves above God and says, my desire, by my strength, by my accomplishments, this is how I'm going to move forward. When it's by yielding to the center of God's working wheel that he shapes us. And also, as he remakes us, so the ruined vessel is point number one, a remade vessel is point number two, and point number three is a righteous vessel. At the end of verse four, as seemed good to the potter to make it. You know, if we allow ourselves to stay in the center of that wheel, when he redoes remake us, and we allow him to take what, away what, he, what needs to be taken away, he makes us a, right, a vessel unto honor, a righteous vessel. He continually makes us more righteous. The, and by the way, the clay is at the potter's mercy. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 reads this. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee 
When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in conti continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You knew me before you made me. And you decided what I would be. In other words, before your digits were formed, God knew them. I think there's a song that was written by Ron Hamilton that discusses this very thing. Um, see if I can remember it. I was formed in my mother's womb. That's what it's called. You have formed me in my mother's womb according to your plan. You've made each tiny finger and you made each little hand. I am your creation. I would continue singing, but it gets too high for me. <laughs> Are we allowing the Lord to make us his creation? Or are we taking ourselves outside of the potter's wheel? By the way, inertia is real. You start stepping out of the center of that wheel. What happens, potters? <laughs> you may not leave his hand because the potter's hand is perfect, but it will warp. If, that, if all of a sudden a piece of that clay or something gets outside of that, of that wheel, of the center of that wheel, it gets too much speed and it starts to warp. And then the hand of the potter, as perfect as it is, ends up distorting the clay because the clay decides to move out of its will. Are we allowing ourselves to be God's creation or are we doing what we can to create ourselves? Romans 9, 18 through 21 says, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and on whom he will hardeneth. Thou wilt say un then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? We are all made in the image of God, but what happened when Pharaoh hardened his heart against the Lord? Five times it says Pharaoh hardened his heart, and five times it says God hardened his heart. Well, which is true? Both. If we allow ourselves, by the way, this is conditional. If we allow ourselves to be molded and shaped in his image, we can be vessels unto honor. But in the same breath, if we take away that yielding and put our hand over top of it and say, I refuse, at the same time, the Lord can use us as a vessel unto dishonor. Now that's mainly talking about individuals that haven't accepted Christ. If we've accepted Christ, guess what? God holds us. We are His. We are stamped by His seal, the Holy Spirit. But if you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the Lord wants to make you His, but He's not going to force His hand on you. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to work. I've described it in this manner to our young people that uh, the Lord says that if Christ be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's what the Bible says. Kind of think of it like a magnet. If you hold a magnet over a piece of metal, and our metal is like, the, is, 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 is like our heart, and as the Holy Spirit draws our soul, our spirit, to Him, that is, that is always going to happen as long as Christ is lifted up, unless we put a stop to it and say, no, I will not be drawn. 
No, that's not the way I want to go. Unyieldedness. And we do the same thing in our Christian lives when we say to the Holy Spirit, no, and we grieve the Holy Spirit. I will not be yielded. So what does the potter have to do at that point? Crushes. There's a um, good professor of mine, a good friend of mine, a professor at Pensacola College when I was going through, that did an entire pottery series. His name was Dr. Hedquist, and he brought a wheel up, and he was an actual potter, and he brought clay up, and he performed in front of us and said, this is how a potter makes things. And he talked through how God works in our hearts and minds as he made the pot. And he said, there are certain times that as you're working it, that the clay becomes hard. And, you, and you're supposed to add water to it. Right? There are, but then also in the same light, what happens when we allow ourselves to be fired on our own and become hard and say, I will no longer be used or I will no longer be molded. We've never reached that time, my friends. We, God will continue to work in our hearts and minds as long as we draw breath, like I've talked about. So if at any point we harden ourselves, we're no longer moldable. And you know what Dr. Hedquist did? It was kind of funny, actually. Um, I saw Dr. Horton's eyes uh, light up, and uh, it was kind of funny watching him because he, he got scared and almost jumped from his seat. But he took that pot, and he said, this pot got really hard, and I can no longer mold it. It's not fully fired or anything. It just got hard. And he said... The best way that you deal with a hard piece of clay that's not been fired yet, but is no longer moldable. And he took a hammer, and he crushed it. And he took the pieces, and he threw it in water. And then he went on to, to talk. And then as he talked, he sat back down, grabbed those same pieces that had now been softened, and brought it back over to the table and said, I can now use this again. Sometimes the Lord has to crush us, so to speak, in order to get us to be moldable again. And so if you hold yourself hard against the Lord, He said, I will do my work. I will accomplish my work and nothing's going to stop that. But we're at the potter's mercy. And by the way, the potter's mercy in this passage here, as it says, is conditional. Read with me from verse 6 down to verse 10. O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as the potter? saith the Lord, Behold, as the day is in the potter's hand, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, and I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. When we're dealing with the potter's hand here, it is conditional how he, how he molds and shapes us. He can destroy us as quickly as he can uh, build us. I'm going to tell a little, a little story in, uh, before closing today. When I was growing up, there was a there's an individual that would frequent our church now and then. Um, but they'd come, come and go quite often. We knew this individual was not living according to the Word of God. And when they came back, it wasn't a full repentance. They weren't getting back right with the church. They weren't doing church discipline. They weren't following after 
after the Lord, they weren't even a member of the church. They just came back and acted like everything was okay. And this happened throughout my entire uh, youth and uh, teenage life until I was late teen going on to a, an adult. And I got word that this individual was taken out of this life through a sudden illness that went very quickly. And I thought to myself, wow, I know their kids. What a devastating thing. Um, I was friends with them in high school. Um, and uh, I went and I paid my respects at the, at the funeral. And uh, I thought to myself, wow, now these, people, now these kids don't have a, a mom for the rest of their life. They're, they've lost their mom. And I thought, wow, God, how we are all in your hands. Now, I thought to myself, and it just glanced across my mind, this individual hurt the testimony of Christ more than anybody I've known. Would openly say they were a Christian, but not live it. And I knew of individuals that said, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want anything to do with it. And I thought, maybe, Lord, did you spare your testimony and remove them from your life? Now, from this life here? Now, I don't know if you did or not, and I can't say. But I do know that their life was not being yielded to the Lord, and they're no longer here. Can we grieve the Spirit enough that the Lord will take us out? The Bible says yes. Or are we going to be those individuals that say, whatever you will, Lord? In the same token, we can be in the center of God's will and be used greatly if we just yield. It's the stubborn heart that, where it's painful to be broken down every time. It is the yielded heart where it's joyful. And the Lord says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. It is at that time when we allow ourselves to say, whatever you want, Lord. And I know this church is going through some things recently. And sometimes there's a, a purging that needs to take place where he removes something from our life that may be hindering us from going forward. Or maybe there's an adding portion right now where it says, I'm going to add to your church. I'm going to give you something. Are we willing to accept what God has given us? and say, whatever you want, in order to mold and shape us, Lord, I am in, all in. It's at then when the potter is free to mold you into the vessel unto honor. Are there things in the corners and far reaches of your heart that you have not given up to the Lord? I can raise my hand honestly and say, there are pieces of my heart that still need to be given to the Lord. And he's working on me to do that. If that's not your prayer here today, I pray that this passage will help you to decide on that today. Would everyone stand please with me? Now, in this time, I'd like to ask a question, a few questions. If, uh, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior and your eternal security is, is set, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you would raise your hand with me and say, yes, I've settled that. I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. I know that's for sure. All right. 
Thank you, you guys. You put your hands down. In a group this size, I wonder sometimes if there's an individual in here that may not know Christ as their personal Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to try and call you out. What I do want to do, though, is I want to pray with you. So if you could just let me know by a raise of hands, if you have not settled eternal, uh, your eternity with Christ, please raise your hand so I can pray with you. All right. Now, as we stand here, I have one last question. If your heart is with me on this, that, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever ministry you have for me, wherever I'm at, I want to yield my life to you so that you can mold me as you mold clay. As the potter molds clay, Lord, I, I want to be used. I willingly give up my life, and however you, however you want to use me. If your prayer is like that with me today, would you raise your hand? Hands all across the auditorium. If God has done work in your life this morning, I'm going to open up the altar as the piano begins to play. You can come here or even in your seat and ask the Lord to guide and direct you in your next steps and what He wants to do with you. Have thine own way, Lord. You're, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Thank you for coming today. I pray that this was an encouragement and a blessing to you. Um, it's always good to get yourself right back in a place where you can be used of the Lord. Um, I'm going to ask, uh, if you would, um, Brother uh, Ed Richards, Jr., if you could close us in a word of prayer. I will ask that you go out here and be changed and uh, ask the Lord, what's my next step? Where do I go from here? And uh, I know that the, the church here is going to grow. I know that it's going to do great work. God's not done with it. Like he said, clay still in his hand and uh he can mold and shape us however he wants and use us however he wants as long as we're willing for to allow god to do the work all right thank you brother thank you, Brett. father thank you for your word and uh, how it can be a blessing to our hearts and our lives and help us to be usable moldable 
not hard that you can take us this week and use us in how you want us to be used. We pray that you would keep us safe as we go home from here now and bring us back again safely together this evening that you might be praised and we might be uh, challenged to live better for you as we go out and face the enemy this week. In Jesus' name, amen.